I think it's safe to say we're going to call it Friday. Just let me make sure. <laughs> you know me. You've been listening to my show long enough. Yeah. Hey, let's drop the ball just one more time. But I just checked the calendar, and it is Friday. Ooh, As I look at a picture of three drill instructors, I can't help it. I just, I am so enamored, I guess you might say. I don't know what the word would be. But either way, just the job they do and how they do it. And what we thought, or at least what I thought, and I'm sure most others did too, but about them, you know, when we were going through training. Anyway, I don't remember which opening song by Chicago I chose. But either way, that's from the band Chicago. And uh, another one to tell you that the night of our honeymoon, the wife and I saw... Who did we see? <laughs> oh, stop it. We saw Chicago and the Doobie Brothers. And it was interesting because at the end of the, the one, uh, uh, Chicago, towards the end of their first set or the original set, you could tell there seemed to be some songs that were left out. And sure enough, for their encore, the Doobie Brothers came out with them. And it was just hooting and hollering and singing and dancing. And what a great time we had. So everybody, listen, I hope you had a good week. Can't complain here. We have, I want to say, a new member of our family. And we're looking at getting another one. Actually, the sister of this one. she The one we got is also a female. So what we got is, yesterday we went and picked her up. Or day before. Anyway, we have a Cata... Catahoula Leopard Dog. And technically, it's a Louisiana Catahoula Leopard Dog. And the uh, Catahoula is actually a name derived from the Choctaw Indians of the give or take that area. Of, uh, I think it's uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Georgia, you know, down around there. Anyways, um, there are a, and her name is Dixie. So there's that. There are, uh, they're a multi-purpose dog, um, kind of medium to large build once she's grown, and they have a great a great sense of uh, agility and endurance. They're muscled, and they are powerful, very serious while working, and playful at home. So it's, uh, like, again, the short-coated dog, uh, and um, what else we got? I guess that's about it. The, the reason we got her, or this breed, is because we have lost another chicken. So we have a seven-foot cinder block fence around the house, but in the, on the backside of the compound is a cow gate. And apparently, I believe, and we've come, both of us, my wife and I, Tina, uh, have come to believe that the coyote is easily scaling the cow gate. It's kind of <laughs> not hard to do. So, anyways, and we're gonna fix the gate. What we, um, in fact, the girl that said the 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 breeder where we got the dog had said, you know, if you took a PVC pipe and then slid it inside a larger PVC pipe and you set it up like that, she says it actually rolls so they can't get a grip on it to scale the fence. We're going to give that a try. Well, we're going to look at two things. We had already spoke about barbed wire, and uh, it would look like a prison, 
But anyways, and then also um, this this deal. So we're going to see uh, which one we think works out best for us. Either way, welcome to Friday. So glad we got here. So glad as uh, what's a Barry Manilow song says, looks like we made it. So there's that. Anyways, today, um, you know, way out here in the American desert where I live, you get some time to see things and um, be inspired by a whole lot of different things. You know, for the most part out here, it's nature and everything. I'm not a tree hugger, but I do enjoy being out here in nature. And um, it, you know, just gives you a lot of time to be able to read and reflect and ponder because there's not a whole lot goes on out here. And that's how we like it. You know, we're not a bunch of hermits and completely antisocial. We're social when we have to be. But we try not to look for those opportunities. We enjoy our solitude. Anyways, show is called Let's Talk. My name is Mike, and this episode is called See King David. See King David. Uh, David, before he was king, was the last and youngest son of Jesse. And he had, I forget how many brothers. But that being said, um, Samuel was still alive, so he was... The last of the judges um, during the period of Israel's history, and they were judges, backslash prophets, that sort of thing. Um, he wasn't the only one, but he's one that we, well, obviously we have a record of. So he was still alive, and the Lord said, anoint me a king. So the Because the people, the people wanted a king, all right? And they wanted to be like the rest of the world, kings and queens, that sort of thing. Because up to then, they were a theocracy. God ruled them, you know, and that's why people like Samuel was around. They communicated between the people and the Lord, and that's how it went. So now they want a king. And, and Samuel was so upset about that because, well, <laughs> he thought it was against him. Like a, he took it personal. So the Lord literally told him, don't take it personal. It's not against you. This is against me. They're rejecting me on these grounds. And so that was that. So in the search for a king, they pick a king. But then the Lord has another king he wants. All right? And this is where David comes in the story. So Jesse's sons were each one of them looked at. And the Lord told Samuel, no matter what Samuel thought, because there were, he thought, this is the one. No, the Lord says, no, not him, on and on. So finally, all the sons that were there had been looked over and rejected. So Samuel asks Jesse, you know, you sure there's no others? He's, well, I got my, you know, my young son. So which means David, when you put it all together, was maybe not even a teenager yet or just a teenager. And... Come to find out, that's the one the Lord wanted. So, anyways, you have to read for yourself the rest of it and whatnot, and uh, it's really a good story. Anyway, that's why I say sing King David, and we'll get to exactly why shortly here. Let's say our prayer, and we'll get on with the show. Lord God, I thank you again for the opportunity and the chance for what I hope, Lord, is not only reaching those who already believe and have understanding and wisdom uh, from your righteousness and, and your treasure trove of wisdom. We thank you so much for the opportunity and that your holiness is always known before us, Lord. 
we bow our heads and humble ourselves and, and pray thy forgiveness and thy mercy and renew our hope, we pray, Father God, and our, we pray that our faith would be strengthened. We pray that our understanding would be right and, you know, there would be no mixtures, Lord. We wouldn't take something from someplace else because you are the Lord God and there is no other beside you, and we thank you so much. And I thank you, Father, for Jesus, our Savior, because, well, he accomplished, Lord, what had been set forth, his mission, his duty, and his obedience to you, Father God, and out of his love for us, you and he both, along with thy Holy Spirit, which dwells within us, each one believers, Lord, filled with thy Holy Spirit, so the very being of the individual would be holy ground. And I thank you, Father God, for all these things and understandings and wisdoms and so forth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I got lost. I could have just kept right on going. <laughs> I love praising God. Anyway, <coughs> our first scripture is out of the, <coughs> excuse me, the book of Psalms. It's the 46th chapter and the 10th verse. It says this, starting with verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Selah, so that means basically to ponder or meditate on what you just read and think about it. I hope you don't always need to hear the word Selah to do that. So it says, it continues in verse 8, Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations, get that, desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in fire. Pretty much we're hearing, you know, mm -hmm. what desolations, you get it? In other words, the destruction that is done on behalf of the Lord is beyond imagination. I mean, it'd be like, Hiroshima would be the least, you know, of what the desolation. And sometimes we have to remember or or know this, at least know this. Here's the thing. Desolation, <clears throat> well, depravity, desolation, I'm putting them together. <laughs> Let me try to explain that and it might make sense or I hope it makes sense. Desolation is not only a geographic type description but it could also mean other things. Desolation in economies and desolations in relationships. I mean, you know, it can sometimes, I'm not saying always, sometimes it denotes a broader understanding or you kind of put it to, to definitions that maybe you wouldn't necessarily think of right away, but it fits. So I hope that made sense to you. Anyway, you know, the media... Everything on blah, 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 right? I don't know about you, but I got to tell you, Lord, I've had enough. <laughs> so thank goodness for being able to record things and zip through those propaganda, 30, 30 seconds or a minute and a half, whatever, propaganda. So anyway, and get back to the show. Lights, camera, action. That's right. The media, let me tell you something about somebody. I, I've never spoken really of this individual before. And 
I thought it was time we, I, I didn't know this, but anyways, I thought it's time we all knew together, if you don't already know what we're dealing with. So this guy from the Ukraine, right, the president, he's the guy that came to our country not too long ago, and he's wearing like his mod, you know, attire and stuff. I'm sorry, sir, but you're addressing the body of the United States of America. You're addressing the people. Those people in those seats are us, hopefully, right? <laughs> I would expect you'd have a little more respect for a nation who has done so much, willingly or not, because I'm not willing to help. And so you come dressed like you do. Anyways, I'm just saying. <laughs> but this is part of the whole presentation. You understand that? When you look at him, you think of, uh, you know, action heroes on TV or in the comics or whatever. You know what I mean? And at the end of the movie, their shirt is ripped and teared and everything is desolation and smoldering in the background and they survived. I'm telling you, this guy, this guy right here, this one, <laughs> this one has been molded and chosen for this very stage show. This, my friends, is the greatest of the last, this is the last of the greatest shows on earth. I'll tell you a little bit more here. Oh, this cracks me up because it's so transparent. Talk about, you know, they're not going to get, they're talking about giving us transparency. They gave us nothing. Anyways, here's some transparency. His name is Vladimir, whatever, I cannot pronounce that one. There's almost as many letters as in the alphabet. But his last name is Zelensky. Every time I hear this guy's last name, just a little sidebar here, back east where I came from, I don't know how far spread their business was or whatever, but in my neck of the woods there where I grew up in New York, there was a, a little jingle and so forth about the Zelensky family and their selection of uh, sausage and so forth, and I, you know, like that kind of thing, Polish sauce, whatever. And it just, every time I hear his name, I, the Zelensky family, I guess word association, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like, but now sometimes commercials ruin songs because, you know, every time I heard the, the little jingle, anticipation, I always thought of Heinz Ketchup. Now I think of Carly Simon, I think her name is, because... I don't know. Anyways, so anyways, Mr. Zelensky. So he is a obviously a Ukrainian politician. Now hang on, because I'm going to give you like his only other, you know, uh, the only other option or whatever he could put down on a resume. He's actually a former comedian and actor. You see, you get it. So this stage show that I told you earlier, this guy's perfect. He's perfect. He's the sixth president for the Ukraine. Now, he was born to a Ukrainian uh, Jewish family. Oh, what a nice Jewish boy. Anyways, uh, and grew up as a native uh, a Russian speaker in Kariviri. My bad if, you don't, if I got it wrong, which I know I did. Anyways, it's in the central Ukraine. So, all that, he's, but he, he's just one of the actors. 
right? We got multiple, you know, this is a big stage, right? The world stage. And I'll tell you, he's on the stage right now, and these guys know the lights are ready to go out. So they're going to give you their greatest performance. Like I told you, he fits their mold perfect. This guy is more pliable than Silly Putty. I hope you, you know what Silly Putty is. If you don't, I'll go this route. Then a piece of clay that you, you, know, you just keep moving in your hands, eventually it gets so pliable you can't do anything with it. And, well, yeah, this is <laughs> probably the best dog and pony show you're ever going to see. If you've never seen one, pay attention. So, and it, what they're going to do and what they've been doing, this is all, but, you know, what they've been doing is uh, amazingly going to be compared as nothing compared to what they're planning on. You know, I mean... Sometimes they plan something and it's going to happen exactly the way they said it at exactly the time they said it to happen. Other times, so, you know, there's plans that are drawn up in that nature. Then sometimes based on the reaction from that one or just on its own, they have a slew of other, you know, options to choose from, different scenarios and things. So they're never without that. And to be honest with you, they don't exist without that. You see? Because if if the stage wasn't set in one way, shape, form, or another, and I'm just, you know, obviously use that as an analogy, but then they would have no place to be and they would have no no lines, you know, no no importance. They wouldn't be anybody. So they need that witch's stew, so you know, that devil's brew to keep them going. Because remember, these people, now I'm not saying all of them, but I hope the Lord um, gives you insight and understanding as to the particulars that I may or may not be talking about at any one given period of time. Now, with that being said, they all have the opportunity and the chance to jump ship with the rest of the rats and, you know, rep- and then hopefully, God will, they repent of their sin and they, you know, they're saved and so forth, born again. There are those, and I, you know, I've mentioned this before, but I just want it to be just perfectly clear. There are those who will never, for whatever reason, will never repent and turn from their sin. They're dead set on the goal that they have set before them. So no matter how evil or just wicked rottenness and evil evilness at, at it at its core and beyond that's where they're at kind of like pharaoh no matter how many times moses will you know moses say let my people go and i think I, <coughs> I think it had to do with what god was doing as far as the plagues go then moses just necessarily saying let my people go who the heck was moses Right? He's a former stepson of the Pharaoh through the Pharaoh's daughter because he was, you know, saved from the river. He was adopted. He knew very well who was, he, he knew his Jewish background. He knew it well. He also have mobbed and, you know, lived around and with his, his, his true descendants, the Jews. His mother nursed him. But either way, what I'm getting at is this Moses by himself. You know, didn't have much credibility, <laughs> and and you know, 
authority and power. But what he did have, obviously, is the Lord God totally, completely on his side, telling him what to do. Say this, say that, and then stand by. Interestingly, I don't know if you know this or not, and this is how we know, this is how we know that what happened to the Egyptians at that time was God sent. It wasn't some, oh, it was just a coincidence because of this, that, and the other thing. No, 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 no. No, no. Some people claim it got dark like it did because a volcano went off someplace else. Well, God set that volcano off and brought that darkened ash and whatnot to the point where people said you could not see, literally, the darkness was of a type, it was different than normal darkness. <laughs> you know, this was dark. And you couldn't even see the hand in front of your face, literally. You know, it was that dark. Funny thing is, that and the frogs and everything else never happened to the Egyptians. They didn't go through that. So explain to me how something like the drift and whatnot of a volcanic ash cloud could be restricted to only this area and only these people. And that's not the hand of God. Damn you if you try. Damn you if you try. That, my friend, is the hand of God. <laughs> Period. Anyways, I'm moving on. Let's do a scripture. 1 John 4, 16. By the way, if you haven't noticed already, I predominantly use the King James Version unless I see an interpretation that doesn't move anything and change anything, but it does flow a little better for understanding. So that being said, 1 John 4, 16, here we are. Okay, that's not what it says. I'm sorry. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. It's all about love. <laughs> kind of to paraphrase the Beatles, I guess, right? Didn't they? It's all about love. Anyway, maybe not. So another one. Here we go. Freddie Mercury, the band queen. Another one bites the dust. Democrats have now set their sights on, oh, yeah, the vice president, Kamala Harris. Now they're... <laughs> This really blew me away. It wasn't something I thought about really talking about or bringing up, but when I sunk on it, it really just smacked me in the head. Wait a minute. They're questioning her basic political skills. Now, I'm no big two-hoo in the political world or whatever like that, although I will say I have had, I don't know how to have, tell you it happened, but I have had rubbing elbows with everybody and anybody from city councils to governors. But that being said, so I, you know, but other than that, I have no right to say anything about except for this. They're questioning her basic political skills, right? Now, maybe it's just me because, again, I'm not, you know, a pro from Dover, but shouldn't he have been asked before now? Shouldn't they, like, I'm sorry, Hit me in the head with a hammer. <laughs> Before the nomination process, you friggin' idiots. She came in last and, the, you know, they're all on the stage. I think if she could have come in less than last, she would have been that. Right, hon? <laughs> she must not have heard me. So anyway, 
So, well, what do we got? What do we got? Let me tell you what we got. This is starting to look like a feeding frenzy. I kid you not. Because they're piling it on Kamala Harris. I don't know what drugs she does, but this laughing thing, that's not normal. Anyways, so they're avoiding outright endorsing her for president by doing this. You see how they're working this around? Remember I told you before, they're after Biden with no questions asked? Get this, just a little quick one here. Hunter Biden, the most disgusting, perverted, I'll just stop there, since Larry Flint, probably, (laughs) who founded Hustler Magazine, anyways, is now asking for an official investigation in the deceivery and whatnot or whatever of his laptop. There should be every bell and whistle and red flag going off right there. You know why, people? Because this drug-induced pervert from hell just admitted that the laptop was his. No questions asked. But here's the best part. Listen, pal, you left the thing in a store for much longer than the 30-day thing, and the guy decided, well, I got a laptop. So stop, stop. But anyways, back to what I was saying before. So they're shucking um, Biden and Harris. They don't want neither one of them. It's too, it's too hard to control them. It's too hard for what's apparent truth to not be like, you know, look at the emperor's new coat or clothes or something, and the guy was stark naked. Everybody knew it but him. So, you know, they got to get rid of them. And they can't have her. Now, if you remember a while back, I believe it was when the election had already taken place. Not sure if he was inaugurated yet. And I said to you then, or at some point in time since he was, whatever, president, I said to you, I said, listen, here's something I know from somebody. I heard this from somebody. This person has never been wrong. I'm not calling him a prophet because, he, you know, the 100% thing, I won't go there, but just for what it's worth. Anyhow, and I've been in touch with this guy off and on for years. Not very often at all, but every so often I give him a call and say, hey, Dave, how are you? And we talk. You don't know me personally or anything, and I don't know him, you know, that way either. But so through his channels, I, I read this. Biden becomes president. And Harris is vice president. He has extreme weaknesses, like in so many areas, predominantly his cognizance and whatever in reality. So that being said, foreign countries are going to, you know, like a a shark knows there's blood in the water and they, they go nuts, right? When there's a group of them, they're just on a feeding frenzy. Their mind goes into a kind of a click and it's just, you know, all about eating. <coughs> and they uh, <clears throat> they up and stop on each other. Anyway, that being said, this is the feeding frenzy I'm talking about, okay? Now, from world leaders. So that being said, there were a couple of two, three scenarios that were also mentioned. The first one, because of all the nonsense from Hillary's campaign and Trump in 16, so up to the current moment. So the first the first option is Russia and us 
probably through the Ukraine, because that, as I said before, has been going on, or I will say shortly, um, for a while between Russia and the Ukraine. So there's our in, or there's the in, whatever you want to call it, because Putin smells the blood in the water. The other option, of course, was China and, um, you know, whatever and however they choose to uh, get involved. You had uh, North Korea, another one. In fact, he says he's going to fire the big, I read it today, the biggest barrage of nuclear uh, uh, missile tests because we're over there playing war games. So that, Okay, so there's him. And then I'll tell you what, since the latest news says Israel is in an engagement in response to now, you, you know, listen, you know, if you walk up to me and for no reason whatsoever, you smack me upside my head, buddy, <laughs> you just got one coming. You know, I'm sorry, but, you know, that's it. So Hamas targets Israel. Israel says, we're going to kick you so far back into the Stone Age, you won't even know how to make fire. Hey, that was pretty good. That was funny. I'll kick you so far back to the Stone Age, you won't even know how to make fire. Y'all better write that one down. Anyhow, <laughs> watch, somebody will say in a show or something, and get money for it. Anyway, so so there's that. And what happened? Well, Russia, you know, right off the top, I think that was a no-brainer, you know, and so forth and so on. And then the other thing, the other part of it was eliminating Biden, okay? So there's a few options there. There, was, there wasn't anything about this, these hidden records. There was nothing about that. But regardless, doesn't matter getting rid of Biden. Then the the elephant in the room, the biggest problem was, believe it or not, it wasn't so much Biden as it was <laughs> Harris. Biden, you know, he, he's their puppet and there's no two ways about it. And I'm sorry, but I think this guy doesn't have a working idea of who he is, you know, as and, as president, okay? I'm just saying. And it's sad because his wife is in on it. All these people that are in on it. How could you not know the guy you ain't in the right mind? Anyway, Moving along, so getting rid of Harris, probably going to be the excuse, according to this document, and they did say this about her, um, a family thing. So I need to spend more time with my family. There's really more to this than I thought and whatever, whatever. Out she goes. Now, there's that. So are we watching this feeding frenzy? You bet your bottom side we are. Now, Moving along, life is going to change for millions and millions of people because the emergency policies, like the COVID emergency declaration, ends in May. Okay? Now, three years after they were introduced. Now, I'm not saying there won't be a big, you know, trying to get it passed again and whatever, but just, just I'm telling you this, listen now. So millions are going to lose as, you know, are going to be affected and millions will lose Medicaid. They're going to have to experience higher food costs on their own. No food stamps, nothing like that. And it's also, why, hon? Here comes my, my co-show. 
until she gets here. So, you know, higher food costs with no food stamps are little to none. And guess what? The return of student loan payments. So if you haven't already made arrangements to have that forgiven, you better hurry up. Anyways, again, it ends in May, and there's going to be probably instantly slashing of funding for hospitals is one of them, and I, and, and a reduction in food assistance, which I just said. Vaccines will remain free, okay, <laughs> you know. And to be honest with you, some other stories, student loan forgiveness remains in limbo. That So again, because, you know, they're going to bring this to the floor and say, hey, we can't let this go. And so they'll probably pick it apart. This goes, that goes, this stays, that stays, that kind of thing. But it will affect all Americans, okay? Some will notice a more drastic shift than others. That's just the nature of the beast. Okay, depending on how much you re, you uh, blah, 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 relied on these this assistance and so forth, that will determine your you know feeling a pinch. I want to bring this up. Let me take a drink of water. All right. I want to tell you say again. Part of what this says instantaneously will happen. And it was the first thing that it mentioned was the slashing, stay stay with me here, will be the slashing of funding for hospitals. Who re- Now, I quote this, I quote, let me make that point clear, will be the slashing of funding for hospitals who receive bonuses for treated COVID patients. who receive bonuses for treated COVID patients. First and foremost, you are a healthcare worker. You don't, you know, you need a bonus to do your job. It'd be great. Wouldn't you love that just for doing your job? But let me point this out to you. This is a major, again, like the, you know, the, uh, Joe Hunter, but Hunter Biden's, you know, thing about owning the laptop. There's another right here, right here and now. This is a major aha moment. This tells you, now listen, this tells you as a fact. Remember all the conspiracy nuts we were called because we said this? The numbers aren't right. They're just completely inflated over the top. And it's all about the money. Came out of my mouth several times in one of my podcasts. I know damn well it did. And here you are, folks. Boom! In your face. And I say in your face because, can't. what are you going to do about it now? Really? This would get stuck in Washington forever. How do you go after this? But either way. And this didn't matter if they... <laughs> If they were dead or alive, it was a COVID thing. Every time and any time they could associate COVID to anything, the common cold, oh, she gave birth to a beautiful boy. That's because she has COVID. I mean, it was freaking sick. But there's the money. Follow the money, everybody. Follow the money. Ain't nobody in this. For the, you know, because they have such a big heart. Oh, hell no.
Don't be that stupid. At least I hope you're not. But again, too late. Can't do anything about it. None to see here, folks. The important thing to remember is this. I've talked about this also hundreds of times. Two things I've always told you. They have to tell you first. This is how the occult, in their in their operating operandi or operandi, how in their operating manual, it has to be telegraphed. All right. So in other words, not just a small select group of people are going to get the tip, and it's going to come through the media somehow or another. The symptoms are the Simpsons were famous for several of them. But anyways, they have to tell you first for it to work. But somehow, also, and or also, if they decide to wait like they did now to tell you it's too late to do anything. So they win. <laughs> it's a win-win for them, you know? So you got to be on your toes, everybody. You got to be watching. Now, I'm not saying, you know, <laughs> we were right, but you know what? You got to start seeing the other, there's two sides to a coin, you know? You got to start looking on the other side of that coin. But remember something. Tell you first and in your face. So this is where they're coming from. This is where they're coming from. And you know what's really sad about this in so many ways? Is the, the, the people of the world, within this corona, quote-unquote, dome that they created, right, this mirage, right, we have had to learn terminology, medical and otherwise. We have had to think, be programmed to think a certain way, and this is the proper response, right? Believe every living thing that come, every living word that comes out of their mouths because they're speaking the gospel truth, and they have every expert in the world to back it up. But here I say this. Here I say this. If somebody says to you, the sky is green, and so you look up, <laughs> Well, we all know it's not green, right? It's blue, damn it. But, you know, they don't want to hear that. So that's just an example of how, you know, they take any number of things and tell you something that, man, if you really look for yourself, like I turn and look at the sky for myself and see it's blue and not green, then you know what? You just fell into their trap, and they're just filling that trap on a daily basis all around the world, all around the world. <laughs> and so, once again, those that thought, and I'm not looking, look at, I'm not talking about myself because there were millions of people, experts included. You know, their experts are only paid if they tell the right thing. So get that. Anyways, there were. All the other experts who were at least as qualified, if not more, who were telling a different story. But they were ostracized, humiliated, scorned. Some of them were run out of their profession. 
Their personal lives became public. I mean, it was the nastiest smear campaign that ever existed, ever. And listen, I know our history. I'm telling you, ever. This is the greatest travesty in our nation's history. And then this whole COVID thing is the greatest of the world. Absolutely amazing. So all these different things we've had to think and feel and do, and, you know, this has come between families and everything else. And what has that created? Stress, anxiety, isolation is kind of feeling, and any number of other things. And then you have your kids going through these things in school and so forth and so on. Reminds me, if you look at the pictures back in World War II over in Britain, at an air raid, they had every kind of gas mask for a kid you ever saw. And these poor kids, right, wake up in the middle of the night, don't get dressed, out in your pajamas, maybe grab a robe, I don't know, and you grab your, your gas mask. And out the door you go into the uh, tube, they call it, which is their version of the subway. And they put this device on the kids' faces, and they all sit there shivering in the cold, yada, yada, yada. And the kid's going through this. This is exactly what our kids went through. The, f <laughs> the problem is, in World War II, those guys saw and heard why they were in those tunnels. The nightmare for these kids and many adults, you can't see this one. Oh, this guy's got the sniffles or whatever, yada, yada, yada. But shoot, man, that happens every year. You know what I mean? So this is something different, right? This is something different. And and really, I just came up, I just thought of this. Much in the same way, you can't see this enemy, all right? With like metaphor here, right? It's the same thing in, because why? Let's make the connection. It's the same thing with the spirit world. You can't see it. Well, some people claim they can, but either way. But they're moving the pieces. They're making, you know, they're calling the shots, yada, yada, yada. Right? Same thing. You don't see the virus, but you see the effects of the virus. Right? You can't see the wind, but you can see the things move, you know. All right? You get it? So in the same sense, you can't see these spirits, you know, but they're making it, you know, they're the ones making it happen. Anyways... 1 Samuel chapter 17, let's get to the part about seeing King David. Let's find out why. So David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? Now listen to this. This is what he finishes off. This is great. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. That was said by David when he was still a young a young man, maybe an older kid. Anyways, and he went to the front. He, I, he delivered something, or I, I forget. I'm sorry, the whole story. Anyways, he goes to the front, and there stands this daggone giant, literally nine foot tall or more, Philistine, taking on the whole Israeli army. And you know what David says? This is nothing but uncircumcised Philistine, scum, the worst of all. 
and you're letting this individual defy the armies, the whole army here of the living God? What in the Sam Hill's wrong with you people? I put that part in myself. But that's pretty much what he's saying. You got to be kidding me. The God of God, the Elohim of all, is our God, not their God. So why does this uncircumcised individual stand before us making threats? That had to be a powerful scene, I got to tell you. You go, David. Give me a little news story here. We'll get more back into the David thing. So a mega church has ordered all members to sign a new anti-LGBTQ pledge to adhere to biblical sexuality, or guess what? <laughs> you ain't part of our church no more. I don't know how that's going to work out. I can see already. Uh, it's a First Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I can see all the lawsuits or whatever coming for this one. But the church says it's an exercise in clarity so that our members might understand our most fundamental commitments in a sexually confused world. I hope, I hope this works. I hope this works. I hope that this statement, this act, hey, right? Churches, verb, not, you know, okay? Anyway, Christian, all right? My prayers are with them. Taking a stand. <laughs> oh, man, you go. <laughs> so let's get back to it. So, in 1 Samuel 17, it continues, or that we can read more about David. And David put his hand in his bag, so he was a shepherd, and he carried a, like a shoulder bag. Well, not like a, a shoulder bag, all right? It was mostly probably made out of animal hide. And he took a stone. So, I don't know, he's looking at a guy at least nine feet tall, I'd, I'd go like it was a big stone or a small a smaller rock. But anyways, he slang it. Get that, the use of the word slang it. I think I would have said slung it, but he slung it. So he put it in, you know, in a, uh, oh, doggone, I can't think of the thing. There you go. A sling. And this rock <laughs> sunk right into the forehead of the giant. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. And he smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David because David told this giant, hey, <laughs> you go ahead, talk what you want to talk, but I'm telling you right now, <laughs> I'm going to put you down and then I'm taking your head. And so here we have it. David didn't have a, a sword of his own, so he went and got the one off the giant. Imagine... Imagine um, <laughs> the size of that sword and the weight of it. So anyways, off comes, <laughs> off with their heads, as the Queen of Hearts says. So off comes the giant's head, and uh, <laughs> Philistines, the rest of their army said, <laughs> yeah, we're out of here, and off they go. So over the past two years, to connect again, we have undergone uh, uh, nothing short of a conditioning that's left us more isolated than ever before. And not only isolated from the rest of the world, but from each other. And we trust no one, and we suspect everyone. 
And I'll tell you something, this has created a mental thing in this country and the world unseen. I mean, this has affected the entire population. So let's look at it this way. Let's, I, think, I think the word I want is metaphor. Do you have a giant in your life? You know, not like King David did. I mean, you know, not one that you can see that stands nine feet tall and talking crap. But this is one that nobody sees. But just because it's unseen doesn't mean it's not doing something. And it's a big thing that it's doing because it's affecting you. It's your giant. Now your spirit or even your soul is affected by this. And to be honest with you, it cripples both. It cripples you both mentally and physically. Even God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, which I hope lives inside of you. I I hope, for the most part, this is being heard by born-again believers, and it's edifying their faith and hope and love and trust in our Father God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. But even so, the Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. So, the question might seem odd or funny, but let me ask you this. Do you live like the person on the TV commercial where they suffer from depression, but they walk around holding up a smiley face so nobody can see their condition? You know the commercial? And it makes all the sense in the world, right? Because here here it is. Any one of these issues, and there can be many, any one of them, call them your giant. All right, kind of makes it easier to deal with. But call it your giant. Go ahead, call it your giant. Right? So you got to take this giant. Well, King David right up front, I think it's pretty plain to see, he was all about the Lord God. He had no fear for this giant. Now, I want you to understand something. An average Israeli only stands about, (laughs) I I think the tallest would be 5'8". And that would be tall. So they're not a tall people. So when you're talking nine feet, that's huge. But anyways, regardless of whether you call it your giant or not, this is what makes us feel depressed or just strongly saddened a lot of times. These feelings, these emotions, these this new stuff we have to deal with. It's what makes us feel rotten from top to bottom, inside out. Let's face it. We've all had giants in our life that have totally affected our lives completely in numerous ways. And in numerous ways or numerous times, the residual is these emotions and feelings. So, you know, either it's current or residual, we got these things we got to deal with. And until we learn how to deal with them properly, they're always going to be our enemy. They're always going to be there. It's that recurring nightmare. Now, I can't tell you anything about how to deal with that, but I'm going to hopefully be able to help you and tell you how to deal with this nonsense that you've been forced to deal with unwillingly, pretty much. Let's look at 1 Samuel 17. And the staff of his spear, so listen, this is, imagine this, the staff of the giant spear, just the staff, okay? And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, so, 
It'd be like I think the equivalent of holding a an eight by eight or a ten by ten or something, you know. And his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron. For those of us um, in the in the world today, that's approximately twenty pounds. And one bearing a shield went before him. So that's the end of the scripture. So the just the tip of the spear. Not the entire spear, oh, no, no, just a tip. So next time you're in a grocery store, go pick up a 20-bag pound of potatoes and imagine that weight on the end of a spear, and you're going to throw that a distance. Yeah. So without question, he was a fierce-looking, trash-talking, massive-killing machine, a nasty, disgusting, uncircumcised Philistine, and but he struck terror in the hearts of his opponents. Just like our giants do, right? All giants do that. So now we got to ask ourselves a question. Why, if I'm a born-again believer, why does this happen? I've asked that question a thousand times. <clears throat> At least, right? And you got the feelings or emotions we deal with, which have already affected our behavior towards others. Most likely it will, trust me. It affects the way we feel about ourselves and how we behave towards ourselves. There's all kinds of things out there people are going through that cause them to physically mar their bodies. You know, cutting or scratching, you know, things like that. Nine times out of ten, that's a spiritual ailment um, showing itself in the physical. You see? And... Again, this all, you know, it affects our place in the world in it and how we think about ourselves in the world. I can't do anything about, you know, telling you exactly when the rapture is going to come so you know you only got to go this long. I can't tell you anything about that. I'm going to tell you how to hopefully deal with it. And I'm sure this thing, you know, your giants have, you know, done it to all of us, right? Mold the way you feel towards yourself. And true, truth is the outside won't be affected at first. In other words, your physical appearance. But over time, it you know, that stress is going to start to show. What I'm getting at is this. Are they starting to become giants in your life? I mean, really, you know, metaphorically speaking. Anybody born, trust me when I tell you, has had giants. Now, regardless if it's a person, place, or thing that that has helped to nourish that giant, and it could include any number of medications or remedies, all kinds of stuff people do and try, and, but you're just nourishing the giant. And no matter the mask we use to hide our pain and suffering, we still know our situation. We still know what's going on. We still know we got to deal with this. And that's the key. You got to deal with it. Let's look at Psalms 4610. This is, this is really one of my favorites, not just Psalms, but scriptures. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Amen. Let's look at Isaiah 41.10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yes, 
I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So here we go. Last part of the show. I'm sorry. Again, I'm running. I'm not going to call it late anymore. I'm just running long. God's message to us during the time that we are in is the same as it was to ancient Israel. Remember the story of Moses I shared with you? And what was the message? Plain and simple. Do not fear. It's not God's first commandment, nor any one of his commandments. It's in the Bible quite often. I think it's probably one of the most frequent words in the Bible. But by, you know, we know and understand that God has never been in fear. And he sees all, so he knows all. And his words are more than enough to control the the destiny of anything and anyone in the universe. Remember, his word created all of it. Every single thing, unseen and seen, I say it so many times. We still don't know the ends of the universe. All that's been created by this, our God who's ready to be with us and get us through. You know what? He's, he's here to help us. Listen now. Slay those giants. He didn't spend time worrying. God didn't. Never. Never worried about how Pharaoh might respond to Moses. Again, like I said, let my people go. But what's amazing is this. Ordinary people, these that are witnessing these, you know, the God of Israel taking on Pharaoh and his gods, they complained, complained about Moses' words. Let my people go. Because things did get worse for him when he, every time he said that. The Pharaoh would increase their burden, you know, in their labors. But you know what? God didn't worry about the outcome because why? Because he knew that when he threw down, you know, that all was going to be exactly like Moses said, let my people go. See, all of creation necessarily responds to his words. It's not an option. Okay? They have to respond. And this creates a reality. He sees the future, I say, which becomes whatever he speaks. There's absolutely nothing and no one who can stand be and no one who can stand before God and successfully contend with him. Everybody you know and I know we're living in the last day. These got to be the days. These got to be the days when the billionaires and Mongols and you know dream of becoming masters of the universe. That's it. <laughs> yeah. In Psalms 2 4 it says he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. So he's going to befuddle them and everything else before he even gets started. Amen. Amen. So this describes his reaction. He laughs at him. So here's a question. If God laughs, what should be our response? This is what should be part of Christian education, and it's been neglected. 
Probably because it opens the door to supernatural in the church. And the church has been against that for a long time. It's a shame, too, because doesn't Jesus say God is spirit? That would qualify as, <laughs> yeah, aha, uh -huh, supernatural. You see, God tells us when we accept Jesus that we become a child of God and that God moves inside of us. It is the greatest and sorest displeasure to, like we got a new puppy, right? And to do that, and the puppy rejects you, doesn't want anything to do with you, doesn't want to be part of your family, none of that. Imagine that. Now, put that, if you may, with a child. But regardless of their age, because you're eternal, they're all chilled, right? But anyways, what an awful feeling that must be. I want to yada, I believe if I remember my Hebrew, yada, which means just, just like soak you up and soak you in and just really feel that love. That's the kind of relationship God's looking for. So if that's the case, all right, God moves inside of us through the uh, Holy Spirit. I'll be honest with you, it becomes a very a scary proposition for many churches but we have to remember, this isn't about us and the church and God. This is about us and God, period, period. Don't ever let your religion dictate your faith. So anyway, uh, to a point, just I hope you understand. So these churches, what they want to do in the end, use their own power in the natural world to fix the supernatural world around us. Yep, good luck with that. Moving on. So, I'll be honest with you, they've neglected to ask God to do it, plain and simple. They've neglected to ask God to use his supernatural power, his authority, because of his love. So, this I tell you, this is how things were accomplished up to this point. Let's look at it that way. Up to this point, any and all believers went directly to the throne, directly to Elohim, to the Lord God, to the one and only creator of all things seen and unseen through his son, Jesus Christ. Why did that change? I think maybe because if you ask for help, it's a sign of weakness or you're not really sure how to do it, yada, yada, yada. Listen, <laughs> he understands what you're saying. Just say it. Just don't be afraid to go to our Father and say, I need help. I can't do this on my own. I don't understand why. That's a big question, right? Why did you do this to me? I'm a Christian. I don't deserve this, blah, blah, blah. Don't get into that. Not now. Not at that point. That's not where you want to be and where you want to go because that immediately cuts off, cuts off. You hear me? And you're the one doing the cutting. It cuts off your connection proper. You just need to know and believe and understand. And I'm not saying that that's like a light switch. Hey, yeah, I'm all good and, you know, onwards we go. I'm not saying it's as, as easy as that. What, I, what I'll say is it's as hard as it'll ever be. But here's the key. Just like 
Israel endures uh, captivity throughout its creation or throughout its existence. That captivity was never forever. So just remember, sometimes the battle is going to be strong. All right? But you got that rock and you got that sling and you're not going to miss because, man, you're the best there is. Okay? The natural skill of David was, man, you know, talk about hitting the beer cans off the fence post. Anyways, so there you are. You're a warrior. You're a winner. You're a child of the living God. Don't deny yourself the power and authority to go to the throne of God and seek mercy and forgiveness and defense in leading your battle. I got to go, everybody. Holy cow, I went over an hour. Oh, my gosh. Good thing I don't pay for airtime. Anyways, hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. And most, most important, geez, I hope, you know, that I help make a difference. I hope that something I said, any part of it or so forth and so on, triggers something inside you that either gets you over the hump or actually... For the first time ever, you're going to humble yourself before the Lord God, pray for his forgiveness, seek his mercy, and be one of his children destined for eternity with him and and his kingdom. So thanks again, everybody. God bless. We'll talk to you again soon. Goodbye.